0: And the edge of the world, Ufomet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry.
1: From the hinterlands concealed by fog at the intersection of Society and Strange. This is an interview series about the unknown and our relationship to it. Produced by the documentary podcast series UFAMET. Here we commune and wander through the big wonder with guests who are thinkers, explorers, experiencers of the phenomena that is on the edge of it all. This is Night Drift, and I'm Jim Perry. Happy Halloween. I'm in the KKNW studios tonight, sitting right next to Odie, producer extraordinaire. Really fun doing this show with a a physical person. That's pretty cool. Not just my dogs disrupting everything in the background. Ah, such is life. But tonight we have a really great show. Guest Marlena Seven Brimner will share her research on Egi- ancient Egyptian and Greek cosmogonies and essential hermetic texts, including hermetic philosophy and the art of alchemy as a foundation for psycho-spiritual creative practice. Oh, wow, my head is about to explode. It's such rich material. I'll see how deep we can get into it tonight. Uh, she will also discuss how these traditions are a direct means for accessing higher consciousness and true self-knowledge, orgnosis, as well as a way to extract the essence of one's creative gift. Awesome. We'll jump right into the conversation in just a minute. Yeah, we'll have an extended edition with an interview with Renee Paquette, actually. Many of you know Renee probably from All Elite Wrestling or her podcast, The Sessions. I know it's a little bit of a departure from what we usually talk about on this program, but I swear it's very spooky what we get into. You might even know her from my appearance on the sessions last year, but did you know Did you know Renee grew up in a haunted house? She'll actually tell me all about that. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, stick around, and this is an extra long one. So happy Halloween, and I hope you enjoy that. You can also weigh in on the conversation tonight. You can email me jim at and use hashtag NightDrift on Twitter. I want to thank real quick Paul. He emails me his uh, synchronicities that occur with the show. And he's up to like number 23 or 26, I think, of these synchronicities that he has on in everyday life with this show. And I love it. And if you're having synchronicities with the show, I want to hear about it too. I love them. I won't negate your synchronicities. I know sometimes when people get into synchronicities, it's very easy to roll your eyes, have that glazed over look and go, okay, well, this is just like somebody else telling me about a dream they had one time. Also, open to that. I want to hear those as well. So send me your dreams, send me your synchronicities, send me your ghost stories, send me your experiences that have shaped and changed your life. And just like the listeners, the other listeners of the program, you may have a chance to be featured as well, if you'd like. But without further ado, let's get into it. Marlena Seven Brimner is a self-taught oil painter, writer, and teacher who has spent more than 20 years exploring esoteric and spiritual traditions, including hermeticism, alchemy, surrealism, symbolism, tarot, psychology, magic, astrology, shamanism and mythology it's a lot of stuff she developed her career as an artist in the pacific northwest and now spends her time painting and writing in the new mexico desert i hope she doesn't brag about that during this conversation as i look at a very rainy seattle skyline right now right out of the window uh her new beautiful book hermetic philosophy and creative alchemy is out now seven welcome to the show
2: Thank you, Jim. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Well, it's a pleasure y- to be here.
1: yeah, well, thank you for this lovely book as soon as I received it in the mail, I knew I had to talk with you. Anyone who um sort of invests the amount of time that you have in displaying these sort of esoteric ideas in artful ways, I have to talk to can we can we talk a little bit about that first uh obviously, sure. you know y- you as an artist and your yeah. painting and your work in that world uh how do you how did you find that connection between that and things like hermeticism uh, as a philosophy and creative alchemy?
2: Well, I was artistic as a child, but as a teenager, you know, going into college and stuff like that, I, I really didn't feel like I had the talent to pursue that as a career. And so I went to school for other things and kind of just did art on the side for a while. And meanwhile, I was very um interested in the spiritual path and exploring all different spiritual traditions and also very interested in natural healing so I began a period of study into polarity therapy in my early 20s and found a teacher I was living in Olympia at the time and polarity therapy is it's a hands-on healing modality that works with the poles energetic poles of the body to facilitate balance and The man who developed it his name is dr randolph stone and he based a lot of his ideas in ayurveda in western osteopathic techniques but also in hermetic principles Mm. and so this idea that all things are connected through the mind and that everything is composed of energy vibrating energy so i was being initiated into this system of learning and healing and at the same time I had come back into my creative practice and wanted to improve my skills as an artist. So I was teaching myself how to oil paint. And at some point during this process, I went through a very intensely challenging period in my life. Um, The quintessential dark night of the soul, nothing made sense. Mm. And I came across alchemy initially through the lens of Carl Jung. And so a psychological interpretation of the art And I began to fuse what I was learning about alchemy into my creative process. And Mm. this was the way that I worked through this difficult period in my life and was able to transmute it into something else. And so I had a very experiential um, time exploring the alchemical opus through the creative process. And that's really how I came into this. And as I went along over the years developing this process, I also became very curious to know where this was all rooted and where it came from. And so that sent me on a whole exploratory journey into the history of Hermeticism and how alchemy relates to Hermeticism. And at the same time, in order for me to really wrap my head around all of this, I would write things out as a way to understand them. And eventually this all kind of seemed like a book to me and i i started Mm. to organize it that way and it was a process over many many years
1: yeah you know i I am curious i guess you know do do you believe that uh finding this philosophy and then finding ways to transmute what was happening to you or transmute your experiences through creative alchemy and these sort of things uh and and your art uh did, did all this it transformed you obviously. Yeah. Did did it, did it save you from something? Did it, um, did it create new opportunities for you right away when you started going down this path?
2: Well, it really, it started to open up things within me that I hadn't really looked at. So Mm. there was a lot of deep shadow work that I was having to do and integration of these parts of myself that I had neglected for a long time. So, you know, dealing with trauma, um, healing from that. And I think it really did change me and it revealed a new lens with which I could view reality. And like I said, it took a long time for this process to unfold. But I went from being a very timid and fearful and self doubting person to really feeling more complete and integrated and whole. And, um, saw an intense shift within myself and it took a long time, but yeah, I I felt that very clearly.
1: You know, what, what is very fascinating to me is when there are moments that we can remember that are like milestones in, in that journey. Right. And Mm -hmm. is there, is there a time you can remember where you felt that shift and it was like, Oh wow. Or was it gradual enough to where, you know, looking back, you can see that change. How, how did that, how did that present itself to you?
2: You know, it was fairly gradual, but I do remember the transition from that dark night of the soul to something different. There was a sort of glimmer on the horizon Mm. and I, I can't pinpoint the exact moment, but I remember the feeling of something beyond myself, something greater than myself that was lifting me out of this sort of, um, intense self-focus you know because a lot of anxiety and depression and all of that there's like a contraction and we're really like pulling inward all of our energy and so this was a shift where things started to open up and it developed into a phase of my life where the boundaries between what was within me and what was outside of me became less defined and wow Sort of a symbolic way of looking at the world and understanding the relationship of what was going on inside of me and what I was experiencing in my reality so this relationship between consciousness and matter became very clear to me, and I had some. um, Some very powerful moments where I really sensed this great expansion within myself and a sense of being. At one with everything around me and. These key moments in life, you know, they really stick with us, but they don't necessarily last. The intensity of them doesn't last, right? And it's up to us to kind of integrate that and, um, you know, bring that out into the world in some way.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you think that there are there are times when people see a piece of artwork, or they maybe read a book that they can also find that feeling that you have sensed there, the, the the feeling that helped you shape how you were going to proceed? Is that a feeling that you, I guess, would qualify as something that you would hope that people have the chance to experience?
2: Certainly. Certainly. And I do think that books can reveal these things to us and art. And especially when they're written from a place by someone or created by someone who has had these experiences because Mm. i believe those things get infused into our creative works and they have the power to affect other people
1: yeah and is that a process of alchemy right there or
2: it is yeah 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 it's this idea of projection you know so in the alchemical work the goal is to discover the philosopher's stone and um, by the powers of projection the stone can then transmute any metal into gold. And the more that we perfect and refine this stone, the greater its powers of transmutation are. And so I believe in the creative process, when it's fused with the spiritual process in the alchemical way, has the same effect. And, And that's what we feel when we see great art, you know, we feel this sort of soul that's emanating from it. And that does have the power to teach us in this sort of wordless way. Or in a great work of literature or any book, you know, that has been written from these numinous places.
1: Oh my gosh, certainly the ability to change us, right? And shape how we're thinking about things. And I don't know, I think there's an opportunity for when people understand that, it can help you shape what you're putting into your mind and your heart too, right? Like the, the, the potential for things to enlighten you, inspire you to bring you to that feeling that, you know, or or a part of that feeling that you're we referencing. I mean, isn't there opportunity for us to take in stuff that is the opposite of that, that is uh, <laughs> destructive to that process and that feeling?
2: Too many opportunities. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, we really, it requires effort, you know, and intention and consciousness to feed ourselves, feed our mind and our spirit and our heart with things that are expanding our consciousness and contributing to our spiritual evolution. And this includes the people that we surround ourselves with and the media that we take in and how much news we watch and the negativity in the news and all of that. It can have such detrimental effects to to our spirit and to our imagination. So I think it's it's important to take in things that inspire us.
1: Yeah. Remember when everyone was talking about doom scrolling?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, like... <laughs> And it's, um, that's such a battle for artists, too, in general. I mean, because naturally, I, I think a lot of the artists, myself included, there's a propensity to kind of wallow or find ourselves in those spaces where we are scrolling, sort of that opportunity for you to sit in that stuff. Uh, yeah. It can affect your work in both, I don't know, in weird ways, I suppose, and and, and figuring out like that idea that uh, you're a participant in that. And that you can Hmm. say yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Seven, we're going to take a break here real quick and we're going to get back into this. And I'm going to ask you, like, uh, you know, maybe to describe a a few of these things that maybe for the uninitiated that they've never heard of before, like hermeticism. Uh, And and I want to know more about some of the other stuff that you have in here. A lot of the other stuff you have in here. So this is Jim Perry. This is Night Drift on KKNW 1150 AM. Right back after this.
0: Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 11:50 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim. We can
1: shape our lives. We can shape our life. We can find the emerald tablet. This is Night Drift. I'm Jim Perry. We've introduced a new perk for Ultimate Patrons. You got to meet some of those folks last week as they were sitting in live for the program. And now they have an ad-free Ufamed podcast feed. You can use it wherever you listen to podcasts. Just go to Ufamed.com and click on the top banner to become a patron today. You can unlock ad-free shows and access to the occasional hangout, such as last weekend. And thank you to those that have subscribed. Some of you, you were in the studio last week. It It was great. And thank you for listening tonight. We're talking with Marlena Seven Brimner, who on Saturday, November 5th, has a book launch event here in Seattle at Mortlake & Company in Pioneer Square. It's a 4 p.m. And Marlena, that's super exciting. Mortlake & Company is a vibe all in itself.
2: Oh, yeah, it is. It's one of my favorite places in Seattle. And I'm good friends with the owner, William. And... Very much looking forward to being back there. It's been years since I've been there. And um, in the past, I was showing art. So now this will be a very different way to engage with that space.
1: Yeah. And if you live in Seattle and you're listening to my voice right now on Terrestrial AM Airwaves, do yourself a favor and head down there 4 p.m. on November 5th and check this out. C7, see, see get this book. Just have the, a have the whole experience. so you know i'm curious how you would describe what it means to live a hermetic life
2: Mm. well the hermetic path it's really a path of of virtue and reverence and in my opinion solitude and spaciousness in Mm. order that we can develop these qualities within ourselves. And it's a path that leads from the ignorance of unconsciousness into the gnosis or true self-knowledge and knowledge of the unification with, with deity, with God, with the source within us. Mm. So I believe the hermetic path is really a lot of time spent in nature and in contemplation and understanding the way that the cosmos is influencing us on a daily basis throughout our lives and learning how we can become masters of our own fate. And this is what is taught throughout the Hermetica is overcoming these vices that are working within us and gaining more agency over the direction of our lives. And also feeling that sense of divine connection with something much greater than ourselves.
1: Let's uh let's unpack some of this a little bit, because I'm really fascinated to hear what your take would be, um, in terms of states of consciousness, right? And especially pertaining to to maybe in particular artists or those that are creating or crafting. Now, we all know what that state is like where we're distracted, we're almost disassociated, uh, we're we're beyond you know, beyond uh being in the moment at all or being self aware. And then there's this state where we are conscious, we are self-aware, you know, we're, um, we're present, right? Uh, but then there's this other state, and it's like the flow state, right? And it's where you're, like, in the pocket, and you're sort of, I don't know, in a mixture of both of those things uh, because you're here, but you're also somewhere else, seemingly, Uh, Does this resonate at all? And how would you qualify what that kind of state is? I mean, I've experienced it when when I've been doing art, uh, when I've been researching something. It is almost like a deep focus, but it's also something else. Like you're, I don't know, being influenced from something else. I don't know. Does that make Mm. sense?
2: Yeah, like spirit or something else is working through you. Yeah, Like, you don't have to be deliberate about what you're doing. It's just kind of flowing out of you.
1: Yeah, yeah. How how would you, like, sort of quantify that within that space of, uh, of consciousness?
2: Well, in the hermetic view of the world, there are seven spheres that we, as humanity, we fall through these spheres as we descend into matter. And we take on different energies of these spheres. And these correlate with the seven planets, the seven traditional planets. And when we're living in a sort of unconscious way, then these planets have complete dominion over us. They're directing and guiding the course of our existence. And the more conscious we become, the more we can integrate these energies and sort of have rulership over them rather than being ruled Mm. by fate. Mm. So these seven spheres, um, when we ascend through the seven spheres, this this happens at the time of death, but the teachings in the Hermetica let us know that we can all also do this during life while we're still embodied. So we can have this sort of ascension or rebirth process going through these spheres again and releasing these energies that have taken hold of us and ascending to something greater, to a greater state of consciousness. And this is what they call the eighth sphere. And it's also called the creative sphere or the formative sphere. Mm. And I believe that this is really where that flow state exists. We have, in a sense, de-energized these spheres within us, and we've ascended to something greater. All of our energies are aligned in a certain direction. We're completely present and focused. And we enter this sphere where we become connected with something beyond ourselves so that it's not so much about us creating, but something is creating through us.
1: Right. Yeah. So
2: there's a union with something beyond us that's happening.
1: Now, some from um, sort of different traditions would qualify that as as maybe channeling or something, right? Uh, what is What does Hermetica, you know, tell us about that and dis- and describe that relationship? Is that present within this?
2: Well, I think. In a similar way, we go into a higher state of consciousness when we go into when we're channeling a sort of trance like state where something is moving through us and being expressed through us that is not in our direct conscious control.
1: Mm.
2: So, in the Hermetica, there are descriptions of visionary states that happen in these sort of um, trance states and visions that come of greater deities that it then impart knowledge and wisdom. So I think we would have to sort of rise up beyond these energies working within us to a higher state of consciousness in order for that to be possible.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I guess let's circle back because we've been you know I think I think we've qualified um hermeticism as a philosophy, right? But tell me a little bit about, especially for people that this is the first time they're hearing about this and maybe don't even have any exposure to the esoteric or the occult, and maybe are just strictly coming in from a paranormal perspective. um, Mm -hmm. Can can you describe a little bit about where Hermetica came from, uh, what that origin story is?
2: Yeah, well, Hermeticism, it's a, a spiritual, philosophical, and mystical or theological tradition that, as I said before, the primary goal is the liberation from ignorance into knowledge of God or source. And it's rooted in ancient Egypt, but the term Hermeticism has really come to include the vast array of Western esotericism. So the subjects of astrology, magic, and alchemy, um, different forms of magic, like Kabbalistic magic, ceremonial magic, like that of the Golden Dawn, Rosicrucianism, even Christian theosophy, astral magic, all of these things are sort of encompassed by this term Hermeticism. Yet, the term Hermetism refers specifically to these early texts that were written in late antiquity, and they're of Greco Egyptian origin. So a lot of the um, theological and philosophical ideas in them are rooted in ancient Egyptian religion hmm. as it was transmitted by the Greek philosophers. Oh, and then, see. then there are a number of other influences that were coming together during the Hellenistic era. And this is what makes up the Hermetica. So you see aspects of Stoicism and Neoplatonism and Pythagoreanism, um Iranian influences and Jewish influences, but at their core I believe they're really rooted mostly deeply in um, ancient Egypt.
1: I mean, would you describe that for what you've learned about that, that our culture is in conflict with, with all of that? And it's like kind of a fight or a struggle.
2: Well, I think it's coming more and more into the mainstream
1: actually. yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm actually always surprised by the receptiveness of people to these ideas. Yeah. And, yeah, when I talk about it, people are excited and they're interested. And a lot of people, the subject comes up and they've already been on their own path of study with it and they mm-hmm. want to know more. So, yeah, part of the inspiration of um, bringing this out into the world in the form of a book was because I saw that desiring people and that curiosity and hunger for this wisdom.
1: That's a really enlightened way to approach it, I think, because I, I would, you know, I, I mean, I would qualify a, a, a lot of this philosophy and spiritual practice and the journey right as being in line with what a lot of interest is of folks and you can even go to some of the largest ad agencies in the world and find people that are practicing you know cabalistic magic for example um, or on a spiritual quest of their own yet uh, as I was a uh, uh, I don't know, as I was a participant in still peddling a bunch of stuff people don't need in various sort of deceiving ways, right? So I, I appreciate your enlightened view on, you know, you wanted to do it because you saw that there was an interest and people were profoundly, um, I don't know, intrigued and on their path of their own, uh, as opposed to what my sort of, I get. It's weird. I'm the more nihilistic one, I think, which is not common for me. But thinking about like, oh, yeah, there's like a real cultural thing that we got to get through here. Like people are <laughs> real, you know, again, like stuck on social media and like shake them out of that to to find some awareness or or uh, even discover this journey as a possibility. But I appreciate that about you, Seven. That's great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I guess um, I would love to chat with you a little bit about alchemy. We're going to go to a break first and then come back uh, uninterrupted for the rest of the program. So we'll be right back after this. This is Night Drift.
0: to the night, Jim Perry is taking your calls at 425-373-5527 or toll free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW-5569. From West of the Cascades to the rest of the world, lines are open. Call 425-373-5527 or toll free in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-KKNW.
1: I'm Jim Perry and this is Night Drift. We're talking about hermetic philosophy and creative alchemy with Seven. Creative alchemy in general is something I've been fascinated with, but I don't think within these terms, and so it's really exciting to maybe have a little bit of a construct to explore these ideas. You know, one of my best friends, Tim, he's a non-dual shamanic healer, and he's he practices kabbalistic magic and uh that's a that's a lens that I've been able to use to explore I guess some of the strangeness that I encounter while doing this show. Seven, thanks so much for being on Night Drift tonight.
2: Oh, it's been so much fun talking with you so far, and I look forward to the rest of the conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we appreciate it, and uh, I was looking at some of your paintings uh, during the break and just enjoying them, and it's really uh, interesting to me and fun that you were able to include your own work within the context of this philosophy and in addition to that, there's a lot of there's a lot of classical works that are describing hermetic philosophy. Um, how was that journey for you in putting together this book, and you know, really pairing what your, I guess, interpretation is or your influence from this, and, and pairing it with these classical works?
2: Mm. Well, I have a great love of the alchemical artwork, and also alchemical poetry and have spent um, great amounts of time looking at these images and just being completely fascinated by them and wanting to understand the symbolism in them. And, you know, in a way, they they work with our unconscious. You know, they're speaking to us whether or not we consciously understand them. And Mm -hmm. that became very clear to me. And I wanted, in my own art, I wanted to let the unconscious speak through me And so i would sort of meditate on these different images that i was coming across and the texts associated with them and let all of this information just saturate me and flood my consciousness with it so that it would come out and express itself through this sort of alchemical process that was happening within me Mm. that i didn't necessarily need to understand logically but through expressing it visually in my own art then it became an integrated um, knowledge. Then I began to understand it because I was experiencing it for myself and going through these alchemical processes for myself.
1: It's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. That's a really interesting and and cool perspective on, on your, uh, on your process there. Um, As we're talking about alchemy, uh, let's, I'd love to drill down a little bit more on it and explore some of these concepts within it. You know, I will hear some folks talk about, I don't know, alchemy in a way where they describe it as you put the tea in the hot water and that is alchemy. Like you step into a puddle of water and that sensation is alchemy and all sorts of like basically, a, a you know, the equivalent of everything you do in life is some form or fashion of alchemy. I don't know if that is maybe a stretch in your opinion, but maybe it doesn't matter uh i would i would love to hear you describe in its essence you know what you find is alchemy
2: mm. well i agree that alchemy can apply to so many different things you know mm-hmm. the internal alchemy of transmuting energy within our own esoteric anatomy and the alchemy of the creative process or the alchemy that people perform in the laboratory all of these things are valid and i think the key part is the intentionality that we're applying Mm. to the alchemical process. How conscious of, are we, of what's going on? Are we um, doing it in an intentional way? And do we have a sort of goal in mind for it? Do we see, you know, this unfolding as a process leading to towards a goal and that goal being um, a spiritual one of in the Hermetic I would be gnosis, but in the alchemical work, it's the philosopher's stone. And I believe these things to be equivalent. It's a sort of indestructible, um, eternal wisdom that's born within us.
1: That's fascinating because I think you can, you can draw on again, like sort of physical examples of that process, maybe, uh, things that can be done with intention, you know, uh, for some reason, when someone makes you a meal and they do it with love, you can almost taste it in a weird way. It's an experiential, mm-hmm. almost soulful thing that can connect with your heart. Um, would you say that's kind of an example of, of a physical illustration of how these things can be transmuted?
2: I would. I mean, using fire is one of the is like the most basic alchemical work, transforming something. By the use of fire and in a way our intention and our attention is that fire so love is a form of attention right it's a form of intention that we're infusing into something so if we're transmuting vegetables and meat into a cooked amalgamation a, a stew or something like that and we're infusing it with love through the process then it becomes something more than just the sum of its parts
1: yeah Listen, I suppose since we're talking on, you know, sort of Halloween weekend, uh, the culmination of a month long of talking about Halloween and experiencing those vibes as a paranormal podcast, <laughs> um, how, you know, looking at Halloween, this sort of like cultural event that we have in this space, especially here in this country, uh, applying that th- or looking at that through the lens of, you know, sort of the Hermetic mysteries what is your, what is your take on it? You know, sort of like I, I, it's multifaceted it's a very open question, but kind of intentionally. Yeah. What do you think?
2: Mm, that's a great question and not something that I've thought too much about, but you know, I feel like the souls of everyone who has passed, you know, this is the time when the veil is thin and we're supposed to be able to communicate more easily with spirits in the other world. Um, people that have passed away and, um, When you look at the reality that we're in as a unified consciousness, everything existing in one mind, then all of those spirits, all of those people that have existed and passed away, they're still here within that one mind. And we can certainly communicate with them. And there are certain times within the cycling of the cosmos when certain energies are more opened up for that. And Mm. so this would be that season for that. Um, just facilitating that process of communicating with spirits, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah. So when uh folks go through the ritual of dressing up with intention, with you know, sort of um, uh, watching scary movies, with trying to scare each other, with uh, surrounding themselves with sort of a a cult imagery and symbology, is is what do you, what do you think the effect is? There is that bringing us even closer or beyond the veil, in in some sense.
2: Well, I think it certainly could. Yeah. Um. I think what's really fascinating to me is just the idea of wearing a mask and becoming something else, and that sort of transformation that's happening when we put on the mask of another identity, and. I think that in itself is a sort of, it's a shift in consciousness and the fact that so many people are doing that at the same time, I think it can't, um, it can't help but shift the consciousness on a, on a massive scale. But what the effect of that is, I'm not really sure other than perhaps stimulating the imagination and opening us up to something a little more numinous and hidden
1: Oh my gosh. I have this whole other conversation now that I have in mind that this has opened the door for that. I hope you'll come back on the show and and talk to me more about because there's this idea of intentionality within the paranormal space that has a lot of people questioning what our relationship is with it as a participant, as maybe a co-creator of experiences of phenomena. And so I I think you'd be the perfect person to talk to about these type of things, and so um, will you come back on at some future point I, in time to talk about. I that?
2: would love that.
1: Okay, fantastic. Yeah,
2: I think I'd love to have that conversation.
1: So as we're kind of like closing down a little bit, I guess uh, in the spirit of Halloween, uh, is there any rituals that you do that you practice within the space, either spiritually or just just for fun?
2: <laughs> you know, I I love Halloween, but. I often find I'm too busy to prepare for it. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm always like, Oh, Halloween's tomorrow. And (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a costume prepared and I'm not ready to go out or, you know, I'm, I'm too focused on my own creative process and stuff. Yeah, But yeah, but I do love this time of year and I feel like it brings something out in me, a sort of, um, Spookiness, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, that's Scorpio energy.
1: Sure. Well, it's like perfect days to go spend at Mortlake and co. You know what I mean? Perfect. Like with books. Yeah. You know what is a a weird thing about Halloween that I've noticed? And uh, this is not trying to be judgmental. And maybe this is a little controversial, what I'm about to say. But Halloween is almost like for someone that is involved either in the occult or esoteric or the paranormal – is like kind of just a day for other people to get a taste of what everyday life is for us. (laughs) So I don't have like a question for you in terms of what your, uh, you know, sort of hermetic perspective is on that. But uh, where can people find your work and where would you like them to get the book from in particular?
2: Uh, Well, the book can be ordered on inner traditions. And actually, um, until tomorrow, it's the book of the week. So it's 30% off. Oh, great. Yeah, so innertraditions.com. Just type in my name. And people can find me on my website, which is Marlena7bremner.com. And maybe you can have these links in the show notes.
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: and I'm also on Instagram, where I post pretty regularly and post pictures of my art and things about events coming up, but also pictures from my, um, my travels and things like that. So my Instagram handle is at M, the number seven artist. So that's a great way to connect with me. And I've also got a Patreon so people can subscribe and from a dollar all the way up to as much as you want to subscribe for. And there's different rewards depending on how much um, you pay monthly. And for a dollar, you can have access to all of my blog posts. And so I've written just a ton of stuff on these subjects of the occult and alchemy and the creative process, so that's a great way to engage and go a little deeper with my work.
1: That's awesome. And, what, what's your yeah. handle for Patreon? Do you remember? Um, it's okay if you don't. I'll add it to the show notes. But I was literally just gonna—I was gonna be a patron right away. Yeah,
2: you know, it's—I'm not. I could look it up really quick. But, All
1: good, no worries. Yeah, okay. I'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was great. It was great talking with you. I can't wait to talk to you again. And good luck with everything next weekend in your launch event.
2: Thank you, Jim. It's been an honor to be on the show. I had a great, great time talking with you.
1: Thanks so much. I want to say thank you for listening to Night Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, KKNW, 1150 AM in Seattle. You can hear the show anytime on the UFAMet podcast feed and wherever you listen to them, uh, you can find it. So go to Ufamat.com for more. Happy Halloween.